0: Good morning, I invite you to take your Bible or your device and open to Psalm 13 and Psalms are found right in the middle of your Bible and as we're going to be reading this in just a moment let me just say several of my friends are going to be helping me with this today Graham English Steve Swan and Matt Boda. And as I read this psalm to you here in just a moment, I want you to listen to it, read through it in light of what we're going through right now. The situation with the virus and all of the ramifications of that. And we want to read this psalm because it sets the table for us to have a meaningful conversation with God. When's the last time You had a meaningful conversation with God. Listen to my friend Graham as he talks about how to approach the Psalms. The honesty of the psalmist is disarming, disturbing, and comforting all at the same time. The Psalms unearth thoughts and emotions that I may not be honest enough to express, and yet when I pray them in a disciplined way, I'm forced to admit these are within My other friend, Steve, who's also a pastor, actually says to his people, don't read the Psalms, pray them. Many of the Psalms are prayers and they're invitation to help grow our prayer life. This Psalm that we're going to read is a template to help us express our real relationship with God, whatever the nature of that might be. And what you're going to find is it's very authentic, it's raw. It's honest. There's no pretending in this psalm. It's the language of a genuine, meaningful relationship with God. So, reading from Psalm 13 How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow? in my heart how long will my enemy triumph over me look on me and answer o oh lord my god give light to my eyes or i will sleep in death my enemy will say i have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when i fall but i trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation i will sing to the lord For he has been good to me. So, as I said, David is very raw in this passage, harsh. In fact, it's it's almost hard to read this passage, and it's almost accusatory towards God. Notice I said almost accusatory. But as we're on the journey that we're on right now in our world and in our personal lives, this passage has so much to say that can shape our walk with God. And there's basically three parts to this psalm. And David begins the psalm with despair. He begins it with despair. Let me read verses one and two again. How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And so as I said, he expresses the despair in his heart and he uses what's called the form of complaint or lament. Complaint or lament, biblically, is not whining. It's not grumbling. In fact, the scriptures condemn grumbling in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Dan Allender writes, A grumbler has already reached a conclusion. Shut down all desire and postures with questions that are already barely concealed accusations. It's like the husband who says to his wife in a very accusatory way, you never have time for me. You have time day or night for your friends, but when I want some of your time, you always tell me you're too busy. Do you want this marriage to work or not? Grumbling attacks without asking. And so David asks a whole series of questions. Listen to his prayer. He says, How long will you forget me, O God? Will it be forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's like you've turned away from me, God. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? The stuff that's keeping me awake at night. How did you sleep last night? And then during the day, he says, I have sorrow in my heart. On Tuesday, Debbie and I had to go and get some groceries. It had been a long time, and we were out driving around, and it just brought sorrow in my heart again as I saw all the businesses that are closed, and I thought, all those people have lost their jobs, and it just broke my heart. How long, David says, will my enemy have the upper hand? How long will my enemy triumph over me? and in David's day, these complaints were the stuff of real life. Who among us has not had those kinds of feelings that David is expressing at some point in our life? And perhaps if we were being really honest, we've been wrestling with a number of those things quite a bit lately. You feel like God has forgotten you. You feel like God has turned away. You feel like there's no end in sight. And David says, when, when will this be over? A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with someone from our church about the lockdown. And at that point, a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, it's only been three weeks that we've been in this. But it already feels like an eternity how long how many of us you know it makes me think back to when i was a kid and how many of us when we were kids and our parents were going to take us on a long uh car drive like for a really long distance and like 20 minutes into that long drive we started asking are we there yet are we there yet And we didn't ask once or twice. We asked enough times that dad was hunting around on the dashboard for the button that activates the rear ejection seat. How many of us are asking, how long? How long will this chapter of my life go on? This week I was speaking with someone else just in the last couple of days and they said this to me. In January and February of this year, I had this light at the end of the tunnel in my life. Something I was really looking forward to. But then when March came and all of this blew up, that light at the end of my tunnel was completely extinguished. And I feel like there's no light for me now at the end of the tunnel. What is the how long for you? Maybe you're a student and you're just saying, you know, this has just put my studies on hold and and I just, I need to, I want to get back to my studies. I spoke to a high school student in our church last Sunday and they said, I miss my friends. I miss my friends. We Zoom once in a while, but it's, it's not the same. I miss them. How long? What about the medical people? who feel the strain of their heightened exposure to all of this. How long? If you're a parent, you love your kids, but the reality is it could be that the walls of your home are shrinking right now, and you never imagined having to do homeschooling like this. My own father-in-law recently moved into a long-term care facility and for their own protection they've been instructed to stay in their rooms and so their meals are brought to them and someone knocks at the door and then walks away and so basically he's been in complete isolation in his room for more than three weeks for his own protection but how long you're a grandkid and you're saying How long until I get to hug grandpa and grandma again? How long until I get to eat grandma's cookies? How long until grandpa will let me do all the things that my mom and dad won't let me do? You know, I can't imagine a grandparent that spoils their grandkid that way. Work. Maybe you've had your salary reduced or you've been laid off or... You're concerned one of those things is going to happen or you own a business and your business is feeling the strain, the strain of all this. And we're all saying, how long, O Lord? This despair that David expresses reminds us that our complaints our questions, our issues with God are ones, now listen to me carefully, that he allows us to freely express. Remember that David is one of the heroes of the faith. Remember that David is described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And this guy is going after God in this psalm. He's asking God the hard hard questions of life. He doesn't hold back. This is the real stuff. And not once, I notice in this passage or other passages like it, not once do I hear God say, how dare you ask me that question? We don't see God striking David down for asking these questions. In fact, God is okay with honesty. God is fully okay with honesty. You know, any friend, any pastor, any counselor worth their salt will say, when you are overwhelmed with the circumstances of life, when it's just churning inside of you and it will not go away and you feel crushed and you feel like God has abandoned you or you feel like God has turned away from you, and you feel like your enemy has the upper hand. It says in verse 3, some translations say, it's, it's like the sparkle or the light, the sparkle has gone out of your eye. Anyone worth their salt will say, look, those feelings, if they're churning inside you like that, they will find a way out. They will seek some form of resolution, a means by which they can be dealt with. And across our world right now, all over the place, men and women with those churning feelings inside of them, so many of them, in an attempt to deal with those feelings, are self-medicating. And so rather than deal with those feelings, they're, they're turning to too much work. Too much work. Or too much alcohol. Or pornography, did you know that right now that the downloads of pornography are at unprecedented levels and all of the horrible destructiveness of that pornography? Are they turning to recreational drugs or, or sex or too much food or too much shopping or too much social media or binge-watching Netflix? The counselor or the pastor will tell you this is an attempt to answer, or to stuff down inside and to quell the overwhelming feelings that these folks are carrying. Here's the good news. David is saying, along these uh, these, uh, forms of self-medication that I've listed, alongside those, there's another godly alternative. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So now David in the passage begins to move from openly expressing his despair to expressing what he longs for. For what he longs for to be a reality. That's the second thing in his life. And so part two is reality and he says, I believe it's okay to talk to God about what I really am longing for. And he says this in verses three and four. He says, look at me and answer O Lord, look at me and answer. This is what I'm longing for. Look at me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Everything inside of David has just been pouring out. I feel like you've turned away. I feel like I can no longer feel your presence. The sparkle in my eye is gone. It's so bad, God, he says in verse three, I might even die from this. God, he says in verse four, God, you're no longer stepping between me and my enemy protecting me. God, I need you to step in or at best, my life will be devoid of the joy of living and at worst, I will die. It's very blunt talk. It's almost, almost unkind. And I'm guessing that for some of us, the biblical text is making us feel quite uncomfortable. Because sometimes what we do in the church is we come across a believer who's really struggling. And someone says to them, you know, don't be upset, you just need to trust the Lord. And the assumption being expressed, and it's a very unbiblical assumption, by the way, is that trust precludes struggle. That lament is unnecessary if only you would just trust God enough and love God enough and be obedient to God enough. That lament is unnecessary if those are the things in your life. Well, let me just pause for a second. Because here's some of the things I want you to get from this passage. David is saying it's okay to feel despair. It's okay to express that fully to God. In fact, it's necessary to express it fully to God. Dan, uh, uh, Dan Allender again says, Christians fear the sober. We seem to hold sorrow in low esteem. Despair is actually the dark soil. Remember that the dark soil is the really rich, good soil, right? Despair is the dark soil that is necessary to grow confidence and joy. And so we read this psalm, and some of us are thinking right now, David's treatment of God is offside. David is out of line with the way he's speaking to God. It's improper for those that really love God to talk like this. Did you know that about 65 of the 150 psalms are classified as laments? Read psalms like Psalm 77 or 80 or 83, and in that you see the writers grappling with God, asking the Lord hard questions, being honest with God, There's a lot of this in the Bible. Just recently we've come through Holy Week. What did we see there? We see Jesus in the garden asking the hard questions of his father in the garden of Gethsemane. Matt Boda has said this, Remember it is not wrong because we feel like it's wrong. Remember that it's not wrong to be honest with God to ask our questions. Remember that it's not wrong because we feel like it's wrong. In fact, God invites us to do this. He's a lot bigger than us and he can take it. And even if you haven't said it with your mouth, if you've just thought it in your mind, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking, even if you haven't said it. And this is one of the things that's so wonderful about the love of God, about the grace of God purchased for us, extended to us by the Lord Jesus Christ as he went to the cross and he died in our place and purchased forgiveness and and a restored relationship with God for us. And it's because of Christ that God chooses to hang out with us even though we bring our complaint. So secondly... When we deal with God, really what we're doing, and we're real with God, we're stepping into God's worthy alternative. We're stepping into that worthy alternative. And that alternative is different than those other methods of self-medicating that I already talked about. This is the godly alternative, which is lament. And it means It's a means that God has always intended for his people to exercise. And really what it is, is a meaningful conversation with God. And David models this for us in Psalm 13. He says, don't hide our emotions. Don't pretend like it doesn't hurt. Don't turn to false idols. Don't use the self-medicating processes other people do instead express grief to God express sorrow and mourning and despair honestly to God and I want you to notice carefully with me if you haven't already where David's complaint is directed it's directed to and with God he's not grumbling to someone else about God he goes directly to the source. He goes directly to and with God, and he says, God, would you process this with me? Eugene Peterson, who did the paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, was once asked, why did you do this paraphrase? And he said, it all started when I was praying through the Psalms. And I knew that from the Psalms, praying wasn't being quote-unquote nice with God. Praying is being honest with God it's a truthful conversation with God learning to pray the language of lament and David is saying lament listen this is important lament becomes the context for surrender and I understand when we give our life to Christ, that's a decisive one-time victory over sin, over death. We confess our sins, our sins are forgiven, we receive Him as Savior and Lord, and sin and death are conquered in our life, but we still continue to live day by day. And this is the process of sanctification, which is a process, walking with God every day. He works to change us by the power of his spirit. He invites us, the scripture says, daily to take up our cross, daily to die to self. He invites us by the power of the spirit to transform us over time to be more and more like Jesus. The third thing is the place of hope. This is the third section of the scripture, the place of hope. What does Jesus say to us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who lament, basically. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. David says this in verses five and six, which is the point of surrender. So he's been honest with God, and then he says, but, but, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. Lament leads to surrender. Lament leads to turning our hearts over to him. Lament leads to us asking for mercy. Lament leads to us receiving God's terms for restoration. Lament gives us God's resolution in our life. And so David both with and to God, allows God to process in him and bring him to a place of trust, a place of hope. You know, people have gone through so much loss, whether it's health-related or they've perhaps lost their life or their vocation has been attacked in some way or there's more heightened, and we're hearing about this all the time, relational clashes because of the you know, long-term close proximity that people are spending time together. Psalm 13 gives the framework for a meaningful conversation with God about all of this stuff. When's the last time you had a meaningful conversation with God? Today's the day. I invite you to run to him I invite you to be raw with him and honest with him and share with him and cry and weep with him if that's who you are. Do it in the way that works for you. And so for some people like David, maybe you would write your lament to God. Maybe you'll just say it out loud to him. Maybe you'll sing it. Some people like to express themselves through song. Maybe you're an artistic person and you'll create a drawing or a sculpture that is a picture of, of your lament do it in the way that's right for you the way god created you do it perhaps with others if you're comfortable being honest with god before others or do it alone with just you and god talk to your kids about it open up a little bit about your life and what you're going through i think that would then in turn open the door for them to be honest with you in in this season of loss. The God of the Bible is standing by, waiting for a meaningful conversation with you. Amen.